Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, what's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Sunday, July the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have a special Sunday release show as we are joined by LockedOnDolphins.com staff writer Andrew Mitchell. Andrew is at Dolphins Camp today, and he unloaded his notebook up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys can check that out right now if you'd like to, and he's going to do it for us here on the podcast as well. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can give me a follow on Twitter at WingfulNFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins, and of course, the aforementioned LockedOnDolphins.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of all of your favorite teams. And I am finally back at the homestead after a week gone on vacation doing the show from the road, writing from the road, all that stuff. I have my setup put back together. I can get back to working on film cutups, and it just feels fantastic to finally be home. And although I'm operating on just a couple of hours of sleep right now, we'll get it going for you guys. And luckily, our awesome team at Locked On Dolphins can help out with some of the heavy lifting. And we'll do that on today's podcast with Andrew Mitchell. And just a couple of notes before I bring Andrew onto the show here. We've got to kick this off with some injury updates from practice on Sunday. Three players missed time during Sunday's practice. Those three players were tight end A.J. Derby, backup center Jake Brendel, and defensive tackle Gabe Wright. None of those injuries sound serious. Derby right now has been taking first team reps, but the other guys are backups. So luckily the Dolphins are getting through camp so far once again pretty injury free. And... I don't think this is something I have to bring up, but I wanted to address it real quick just because if you haven't seen it already, you probably will at some point. But Britt McHenry, I don't really know what she does or what she did before. I think she just tweets really bad things and outrageous things to get attention, but she tweeted out that she would rather have certain female athletes over Ryan Tannehill as the Miami Dolphins quarterback. And while I guess it's kind of cute and funny on the surface, at the same time, it's stuff like that that really gets journalism a bad name and it makes me really feel like shit for doing my job the way that I do it because we have someone like that that's doing her job in that way and she's getting attention she's getting paid to do this type of stuff so feel free to go ahead and tweet to her and tell you how you feel about her stupid comment she made about the Dolphins quarterback but enough about that let's go ahead and get to our guests and talk about training camp and practice on Sunday that's another Miami Dolphins and joining the podcast now is one of our staff writers at LockedOnDolphins.com. He was in attendance for practice on Sunday. He is at Mitch Pro on Twitter, Andrew Mitchell. Andrew, thanks for chatting with me today, man. Oh, no problem. Pleasure. Yeah, it's always great to get guys that go down to practice and get a chance to see it because I'm out here about 3,000 miles away and I don't get to do that for you guys, obviously. I just kind of collect tweets and things from other guys that I trust on the internets, so to speak. But um. Speaking about the weather and what things are like down at practice, you know, I talk about on the podcast all the time, the upstairs of my house here in my hometown, I don't have centralized air, so I have to run an air conditioning unit in the window. And when it's I'm doing the podcast, I can't do it. So I'm sitting here sweating it out on the podcast here at 1230 as we record this podcast. And I was curious to get your notes on what it was like down in South Florida today, because these guys, we heard about Mike Kosecki maybe struggling with some of the heat down there. Was it pretty brutal today out in camp? Uh, actually it was the complete opposite. I, um, 
Yesterday I was looking at the weather and it was showing me 60% rain. So I was kind of hoping that wasn't the case because I'm about an hour and a half to two hours from the camp location. And I was like, oh man, that'll really, you know, be a bummer if I get there and then they go in the bubble and we can't follow them in there. Um, but actually it was the complete opposite. It was overcast. Uh, it ne- the rain never hit the field and I, I barely even felt like it was it was hot at all. It was almost like I wasn't in Florida. It was actually quite nice. That is really nice. I actually went to Huntington Beach last week, and it was the one overcast day of the week, and I got really badly burned, and I didn't realize that you can get sunburn in overcast. I've heard that myth before, but I didn't know if it was true. But it was nice to kind of get out of the sun for a day, and definitely for these players, I'm sure they really appreciate it. And we appreciate you doing this for us on the show here, but before we take our first break and our first pause, I wanted to ask you if you could give me just one impression from how things are kind of ran down there in camp like what is the atmosphere like what's the tempo like and the energy because we saw that picture today of Adam Gaze playing press on receivers and chest bumping guys and having a good time is it a good positive atmosphere like what are you seeing from camp um I would say definitely high energy um but I'd also say there's there's definitely uh Adam Gaze isn't ever too far from you know anything that's going on over there as you said he was uh you know, playing some DB against the receivers. I did notice he he put a lot of attention to the receiver core today. I don't know if that's been a regular trend, but he was uh, he was around them quite often, and I caught him chatting up Jakeem Grant a lot today, uh, as well as Ar- Albert Wilson. I feel like some of that might have to go with maybe the fact that I'm being positive on this sense here, but him and Ryan Tannehill kind of have the same mindset in terms of trying to have that quarterback coach connection. And you want the quarterback to be an extension of the coach on the field. So I wonder if maybe he's trying to put a bug in their ear about some of the things that maybe he wants them to do for Tannehill. And also you got this receiver rotation. That's going to be five deep this year. I mean, were these guys getting equal work or how is that working out for him? Um, it, it, it seems so. Uh, for the most part, you, you did have your standard, you know, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker. Uh, I would say for sure Kenny Stills is our, is our number one guy, as we all would probably assume. Um, but it was very common to see those two out there with usually maybe Amendola in the slot. It seems as if uh, Albert and Jakeem Grant will kind of both play that jack-of-all-trades X-factor role on the team where – you know, as we as we've always said, a lot of people think just because Jakeem Grant's small, he should be a slot receiver. Well, really, I'm seeing him more on boundary. Uh, and Albert Wilson, who I was just blown away by today, just because of how many different places I saw him in for the team. Yeah, and I think that's something that we talked about on the podcast a lot over the course of the summer was that he was really productive from the boundary positions. And like you said, that moniker that he gets knocked with as a slot receiver is really kind of inaccurate. So good to hear that. We'll talk more about that on the other side of the podcast here. We have Andrew Mitchell, staff writer at Locked On Dolphins. You can find him at Mitch Pro. You can find me at Winkful NFL and the show at Locked On Fins. And we're back here with Andrew Mitchell of the Locked On Dolphins website and talking about his training camp notepad from the day, Sunday, July the 29th, here recording the podcast on a Sunday. And we talked about Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant and what this wide receiver crew is looking like early on in camp. Early returns are positive for the most part. And it sounds like you've developed quite an affinity for these two guys. And I don't think you're alone on that regard. Talking about, of course, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, what they can do in terms of the screen game and being better at that. Because we know last year, 
Kenny Stills really is not interested in making a block on a screenplay. Jarvis Landry could do it, but he's gone. Devontae Parker, not great himself. I think these guys could add a bit of an element into that part of the game, as well as catching the football on the screen and making plays. So these guys really bring a new element to the offense. Did you see something with them that would trigger that they're going to play a lot of snaps, maybe have some special packages? Like, what are you seeing with those two guys? Uh, I have to say, you know, uh, everyone, you know, maybe not as much now as they were when it first happened, but everyone was worried about how we're going to, you know, replace Landry. And to be honest, I think it's it's kind of addition by subtraction. And, and that might sound like a, you know, a fan's way of thinking. But I just watching camp today, it, it proved to me like what I thought going into it. Um, barely any dink and dunk uh, plays. Uh, I saw a lot of downfield. I didn't, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure I saw one screen pass today. <laughs> um, but also, mind you, it was a lot of red zone work. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that was from, some of it went back to like 30 yards out. So uh, with Wilson, though, it, I think Jakeem Grant is actually going to be someone that we see come in more as a boundary receiver, going deep, using that speed. Um, he had a beautiful catch in the end zone today, got both feet down. Guy's like five foot. He must have jumped six. <laughs> it, it was it was insane. Um, but Albert Wilson, man, I, I mean, I'm watching them, and they got, they got trips to the left, and he's in the slot, and they run a quick little motion, and then he goes back next to Tannehill's left side while he's in shotgun with Kenyon Drake on the right. And they actually, as soon as he got into his spot, they give the handoff to Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson goes up the up the up the middle for like five yards or so. So I mean, it's just it, there's no just that alone. I mean, and, and we're only here on day four of training camp. So what's the playbook going to be like in week six? You know what I mean? Like I, I just I think there's just so many dimensions to this offense now that they have that Adam Gaze and Tannehill have guys that can play in each receiver position so they can just mix and match and find the, the weakness in the defense. From your vision at training camp to my fingertips with the keyboard here to the listeners' ears in the podcast, because I've been writing that all damn offseason, man, about how this team can do so much more than it has in the past with this deep receiver core. And Albert Wilson took those little shovel passes up the middle in Kansas City and made touchdowns happen, made big plays happen. They started doing that more at the end of the year with Jakeem Grant in the backfield, throwing him swing passes and that kind of thing. So that is awesome to hear that they're actually going to start implementing it and doing more install early in training camp. And you talked about the fact that they did so much red zone work and I'm curious if that kind of confirms what the screen game actually is in terms of how it gets called because a lot of times the screen game will be something that's just a sight adjustment from the quarterback not actually called into the huddle and it's basically just okay they have three guys over there I have four on that side so I'm gonna go ahead and throw a screen because we have the numbers so hopefully that's more of just something you can do with Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Mike Kosicki these guys that are more adept to be able to flex out and change a play call because you have the personnel to run that stuff so very good to hear but let's talk more about Mike Kosicki and the tight ends because this rotation has been a little bit up and down, it sounds like, in camp so far. And that catch Mike Kosicki made today, did you get a chance to see that live? Oh, yeah. Um, I saw that actually happen. And to, from from my vantage point, uh, there was two things. I saw him fall out of bounds. I was unsure whether both feet were down. It looked like they were, but I, I couldn't really tell. Um, but then I was like, there's no way he caught that. Like, he obviously went to cradle it, and then his hand hit the ground, and the ball probably fell out. And then come to find out he actually did catch it I, it was it was pretty impressive and then the best part about it was it wasn't until after the play and as the guys are walking back to the to the huddle that I realized that 
he just went one-on-one with our first-round pick, Minka Fitzpatrick. So that was kind of fun to see, just to see those guys kind of matching up against each other. It really sounds like the Dolphins are just in love with these first two picks they made this year, which is a such a nice change from previous years. But another thing I read from a camp observer, a fellow camp observer, was the heavy use of 12 personnel, and they have these four tight ends they're trying to sort out. So did you see a lot of that, a lot of maybe 13 personnel, different packages? Obviously, you talked about the unique uh, Albert Wilson in the backfield package, but were the tight ends rotated heavily? Like, what's that rotation looking like so far? Well, uh, today I saw a lot of Marquise Gray. Uh, he was definitely, uh, in my eyes, the number one tight end on the depth chart if, if you just were going by today. Um, however, you know, uh, definitely Gasecki got the most reps he's had uh, since we've been in camp, and I know it's early on. Um, but I saw a lot of them together. Uh, for instance, you know, you had one where you got Kenny Stills on the on the right uh, on the inside and Devontae Parker on the right on the outside of him. And then you got uh, Gray on the line uh, next to Tunsil on the left. And then you had Gesicki off the line uh, with Gray next to him. Um, So I I saw a lot of that. Um, I was very surprised, though. Not a lot of Durham Smythe and a lot of Thomas Duarte. And it was interesting because I saw a lot of Duarte being used in the way that they use Gesicki. And uh, we've always, uh, you know, from the time that he's been on the Dolphins, we've always known he was more of a receiving threat tight end, not some big, you know, mauling, blocking tight end. Uh, so it's kind of like he is the uh, the B version of Gesicki for Adam Gaze here in training camp early on. Well, it's fun to see Adam Gaze talk about how much he loves the guys he has in this roster, how he finally has the roster he wants. It sounds like it's going the way he wants it to. And I think that all begins with the quarterback, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the quarterback on the podcast here. Seems like we have to get to it every single day. But Ryan Tannehill threw his first interception in four days during training camp. I think someone said that Aaron Rodgers threw a pick on his first series of training camp, so just comparatively speaking there. But by all accounts, he's <laughs> off to a terrific start. Yeah, you like that comparison there? We always go back to the great, one, the great ones, don't we? But, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Rashad Jones was the one that picked him off, though, so I don't really feel that bad about it. But he said that Ryan Tannehill, Rashad Jones did, that he looks the best he ever has. What's your impression on the quarterback after one day of watching him? Um, it was really a sense of his team. You know what I mean? Uh, he gets knocked a lot, and it's, and it's easy because, you know, the team's bad. You blame the quarterback, right? But, I mean, it's probably the first time that I've watched and like the team really, you can tell that they believe in him. You know what I mean? Like they go to him. For instance, I I saw him uh, after Duarte was getting a lot of uh, snaps. They're on the sidelines and he's talking up Duarte and Gesicki and letting them know kind of how they need to bump off the linebacker and kind of rub the route. And it was just, it was very uh, veteran-esque of him, I guess. Um, but as far as him throwing the ball, I, I mean, it looked great. I mean, there was a, a drill they were running where the running backs came and they were just running quick little uh, flat routes. And Tannehill was he was the only he threw about four or five in a row. And Buddy Howell, uh, Radcliffe and Frank Gore all just right off their fingertips. And I mean, he was he was throwing lasers at them. So I, I don't know if it's their hands are that bad or he's throwing it with that much zip but he looked good today um and and has the the chemistry with Amendola is just everyone's been talking about it and I mean I saw it today in the flesh and it, it was it's very apparent that he's already has a niche in this offense uh just being the player that he is coming from New England and if he's a guy that Tom Brady relied upon and he's 
doing the same thing with Ryan Tannehill. That has to be a good sign for us. And it's good to hear the quarterbacks playing well. I can't wait to see what he does in year three of the offense because he's been a guy that's always predicated himself on hard work. And he can finally probably try to apply it now because he's never had an offensive coordinator or the same scheme for three years in a row. So awesome to hear. Full pads go on tomorrow. We should get a better look at some things on the defensive side of the football because it's hard to judge when they're only in the uppers without the lowers and all that stuff we talk about. But we'll do the defense next here with Andrew Mitchell on Locked On Dolphins podcast. He is at Mitch Pro. I am at Wingfield NFL, and the show is at Locked On Fins. All right, Andrew, so we talked about how the defense, it's tough to gauge certain things, like obviously the defensive line versus the offensive line and pass rush drills. It's tough to see really what these guys are doing without full pads, and Rashad Jones had that big pick, and I've been claiming that Minka Fitzpatrick's presence will really free him up to do more things, to play the robber, to play in more passing lanes, and be more disruptive in the passing game. So what are your takeaways from practice with the two safeties and kind of how they lined up and what they did together today? Um, it, it was it was interesting. Rashad Jones definitely had uh, it was definitely his day at camp today. Um, he had the interception on Tannehill where he was literally just dropping back, playing center field, as you said, uh, teamed up with Minka. And to be honest, I was directly like behind Tannehill and his point of view watching him, and I saw him telegraph the pass the whole way. And I'm thinking, oh God, is he really going to throw this there? And he does. Mind you, I didn't even see Rashad Jones. And uh, Rashad Jones just comes out of nowhere and just ball hawks it and ends up running it about 30 yards back before, you know, the offense caught up to him, as you said, you know, not full pads, so not taking him down. Um, but it was definitely his day. He had a he had a blitz on one part of the scrimmage where he stripped Frank Gore, like, near the line of scrimmage, and the defense recovered. So he was a turnover machine today. Um, Minka, however, like I said, he had the one-on-one with Gusecki where Gusecki made the ridiculous catch. Um, but he looked good. The thing was, was, uh, he didn't stand out to me, but th- I took that as a good thing because it was almost as if I'm not watching a rookie. I'm watching a guy who's done this before, you know? So, uh, I, I will say that, uh, kind of in Fitzpatrick's case, the one interesting thing I saw with the safeties was the, at one time we lined up in a nickel package and I watched TJ McDonald come all the way up and it was almost like he was playing that third linebacker position. And I was a little confused because I was thinking, okay, like how many safeties do we have on the field right now? And we actually had Jones, Fitzpatrick, and TJ. But TJ came up and actually blitzed on the weak side. So I only saw that happen once. So I don't know if that's going to be a regular package for them. Uh, But mind you, he was kind of a third linebacker-esque in that scenario. Um, playing alongside uh, Kiko and Raekwon McMillan. Well, I would say it's about time they're doing that because it's, it's a long time overdue. And I think Gaze kind of played his hand the other day in a press conference talking about how we have a third safety that can support against the run, and it's, it's pretty obvious who that is. It's TJ McDonald, so that's good to hear, to hear that. I also heard a story about Minka Fitzpatrick, and it's basically the same thing that he was doing at Alabama. You know, 10.30 at night in the building, someone left a light on in a room. No, they go to the room and check the light, and he's actually in there watching film. So he's doing the same stuff. The fact that you mentioned he's always where he's supposed to be. This guy just, I, I can't see him failing in Miami. So it's awesome to hear that. But Andrew, I want to get you your last takeaway here from camp. Whatever you want to talk about, kind of like the uh, roulette here, pick a, uh, a category, pick a you know a topic, and tell me what was your favorite part about camp or whatever it is. I'll give you the floor here. Um, I would say, unfortunately, the thing I'm going to talk about is I was a little disappointed and underwhelmed with Devontae Parker today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really looking for him, especially, hey, we're talking about red zone work today, right? 
well, who's our biggest receiver? Who's the guy that's supposed to be getting these touchdowns before we ever drafted Mike Kosicki, right? Uh, and and one-on-ones from seven yards out, from 13 yards out, from 20 yards out, I'm watching him. And on one of them, he, he made a play on the ball, but he, he didn't really make the – he didn't adjust his body the correct way. And I, I watched Adam Gaze literally walk over, pull him over to the side and was trying to kind of coach him up on how to use his body better and to kind of create a better target for the quarterback. Um, but what was the worst one to me was I saw him go one-on-one versus Xavier Howard. And I was like, oh, this is primetime matchup right now. This is the receiver we're all waiting for to step up versus the corner that stepped up huge last year who's our, you know, our number one guy. And I'm going to be honest, Xavier Howard straight jammed him at the line and just manhandled him. And mind you, the ref did end up throwing a flag saying it was holding on the defense, but it was highly debated and contested amongst the two units. And at one point, I thought I was going to see a little skirmish breakout from all the uh, all the talking going back and forth uh but they all ended up keeping their cools but i have to say I, most of all i was a little i was a little unimpressed with Devonte today he didn't leap out at me and i was hoping today he would given you know the subject of most of the work being put in near the red zone maybe that would have been a good thing for him if it would have been a little bit of a skirmish and he would have gotten into some physical altercations and, and you know kind of get hyped up a little bit because he's kind of a low energy guy that doesn't really hype himself up a whole lot but you know that doesn't really surprise me because i go back to last year and what he was in terms of getting off of one-on-one coverage down in the red zone that was a common occurrence last year and Xavier howard you know I think we all think and hope he can be one of those elite guys that locks up big-time receivers. So hopefully that's the case. Hopefully Parker figures it out because it sounds like Isaiah Ford's coming on, and obviously you have Mike Kosecki there too who can play that same role. So once again, he is Andrew Mitchell. You can find his work at LockedOnDolphins.com. He's at Mitch Pro on Twitter. Andrew, thanks again for taking the time to do this today, man. I know that our listeners really appreciate it, and you know that I do, definitely being 3,000 miles away from the team. Oh, anytime, anytime. We'll do it again soon, and uh, we'll get you out of here. All right, buddy. Thank you. And thank you too, sir. And that will do it for Andrew Mitchell on the podcast as well as me on the podcast here. We're going to go ahead and get out of here for you guys. We'll have Antoine Staley of USA Today on the podcast later in the week to talk about Dolphins training camp and get you guys up to date on everything Miami Dolphins football this summer. We'll be doing a show every day from now basically until forever throughout the course of Monday through Friday as well as some special Sunday episodes. But as for today, that's going to wrap it up. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out our daily blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.